0: Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Uh, Nugent Ventures is back on the air after I think maybe a day uh, absence. So hopefully, absence makes the the ear grow fonder, and uh, I have your undivided attention. So, just going to review pretty. Pretty blah day on the market. Mr. Market does not care about things like impeachment of presidents who have, what, seven days in January. Remember the old seven days in May? This is kind of uh, reminiscent of that. But it's not a military coup of the president. It's a presidential coup of the military, if you want to look at it that way. Now, I have to tell you, I read... An article today. Now, granted, this is in the editorial section of the uh, Wall Street Journal, Wall Street Journal. And uh, I forget the author's name, but she is a very conservative person. And she was laying out the case for this. uh, You know, at least when you read her article, you understood where the Trump MAGA, you know, uh, protesters or whatever you want to call them are, are coming from. In terms of these mail and ballots, and and supposed or alleged ballot harvesting, uh, so if you buy into that story, you know you can understand at least the emotional tenor of the of the times on that side of the equation, and it does raise some interesting concerns which Republicans have had for a long time about how the fraud thing could happen and whether it did happen or not is another story. But it seems to me if there's that level of doubt on at least one side of the fence, and it's always going to be the losing side, uh, we need to improve this process. We as a democracy, our body politic. And I just went through a thing today. I've been exploring some opportunities and you know, same thing when I did the census. Uh, I had to go in and I had to get a photo ID and a thumbprint and all that stuff. Now, that's labeled as voter suppression. But, you know, voting's probably the most important thing we do. And people have to believe in it. So if either side, frankly, doesn't believe in it, that's going to be trouble. And we've seen that. So... I think, to the extent that you can take steps that make it you know bulletproof that the integrity of the vote is 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 just absolutely one hundred percent, and not only can reasonable people agree on that, but this unreasonable people can can have to concede it. I think that's an, a direction we should go in. And I think the secret may lie in the in the cell phone, frankly, because you can do a lot of things on the phone, financially. And I don't see why you couldn't do the same electorally. You know, there's a lot of identity. It all comes down to identity, and I've been on this for a long time. You know, passwords and such are not the panacea. So anyway. On to the uh, business at hand, which I'm just going to review. So anyway, the market didn't care. Mr. Market did not care about any of this impeachment noise or any of this stuff. So that same thing as the, the unrest over the summer, Mr. Market could care less, which is interesting. But <clears throat> um, I posted a piece. Today I had to write this up because there's a guy, a fellow named John Authors, who writes for Bloomberg. And it's gated and it's very hard to share. I don't think uh, Bloomberg I think probably wrongly does not like you to share their content because that's how you build an audience but be that as it may it's very difficult to share it so I actually put uh, fingers to the keyboard and wrote an article called Bubblicious and I'm not sure I spelled Bubblicious right although it's not a real word anyway so you can kind of do whatever you want but as I tend to do when I rewrite somebody else's writing, I kind of boiled it down from, I don't know how many pages to, oh, I would say maybe a couple hundred words. So you can check my uh, my rendition of his argument out on uh, the exciting Nugent Ventures uh, LinkedIn page, and we're, you know, getting to close to 100 followers. So that's cool. And uh, I have actually written 86 articles on LinkedIn over the years. At one time I had a job where I really was vice president in charge of looking out the window, and I didn't even have a window. So I used to write a lot, you know, nothing else to do. And uh, I didn't get in trouble for that, you know, because not that many people read these articles, I'm telling you. And it seems like less than uh, was the case and. Days gone by, so I kind of quit writing on LinkedIn. But I I did this, and uh, I point you in this direction. So basically, the argument that there's a fellow named Jeremy Grantham, who's a founder of Boston-based GMO Fund Management Group, and he's a a, a well-known bubble popper, and he thinks we're in a speculative bubble in the final stage is worthy of comparison with the dot-com bubble, the crash of 29, and the South Sea bubble. Now, you know, if you're looking for stuff like this, you're going to find it. So authors vets that and says that, uh, you know, Grantham's argument is that valuations are dangerously dependent on the persistence of historically low bond yields, and market behavior has reached the crazy stage, and he gives us an example of those Bitcoins' parabolic rise, which is true, and uh, the deteriorating uh, quality and increasing quantity of IPOs. You know, these companies pop out there. Their record and tenure of being in business is shorter. Their profits are illusory uh, or non-existent. You know, so that does tend to spell trouble. So that's, there is other evidence. He cites a gentleman named Jason DeSena Trenard who I never heard of, from Strategus or Strategas Research Partners, which I have heard of. And he says that there's two contra, uh, conflicting indicators out there. The bearish one is his modification of what I am calling the Buffett Ratio, so if you compare the S&P's market cap to the US GDP, that's a ratio, right? And uh the higher that ratio is, uh the the more bubble level it becomes, right? Because if it becomes two times GDP, then, you know, whatever it is. And you can compare that over time and they're they're easy numbers uh, that are reasonably credible. On the uh bullish side though there's another measurement which is and hang on I'm going to just set this to do not disturb so I don't have podcast this interrupt us which I hate and you hate too I presume not as much as me because then I have to start all over again um so, there's an equity risk premium, and what you do there is you compare the difference between expected returns on stock versus bonds and of course, the expected return on bonds, the real rate is negative so if stocks do anything, you know, and if you you figure the just on the yield, you know if you got dividend stocks and buybacks and stuff, then chances are you're going to have a I mean, the risk probably, in my mind at least, is to the upside on the stock market. Now, grant them would differ. Then it's a no-brainer. You know you're going to lose money in bonds. Maybe not much, but you're definitely going to lose. So that is the whole idea of that negative yield, which the Fed basically games, is to push into risk assets, right? Which creates wealth bubbles and increases inequity. You know, so is that a good idea? I don't know, but it is what it is. So what he points out is that bond yield forecasts are a function of politics, which, of course, is challenging because we basically have a coin flip Senate. You know, this Joe Mnuchin from West Virginia becomes the linchpin of history because if he goes with the Republicans, then nothing happens, and if he votes with the Democrats, then anything can happen. Um uh, and they it sounds like Biden's gonna try to keep the bipartisanship the sixty vote rule in on stuff at least initially, but you know, good luck with that. So he's the kind of guy who caves pretty easy it seems to me. Not exactly a principled uh, guy. And I don't mean that even negatively. It's just like you know, he's no Ronald Reagan, let's put it that way kind of blows with the wind, and the wind is going to be blowing very hard in in one direction, which is partisan blue. So, I have a feeling that bipartisan stuff's going to fade after the first negative vote from the blue point of view. So, uh, the only thing certain I write under blue rule are debt and taxes. Of course, usually a little play on words from death and taxes, and death is still certain, but... Uh, hopefully less certain if Biden turns around this virus or this uh, vaccine distribution. But you're definitely going to run up more debt and you're definitely going to raise taxes. But Authors points out that counterintuitively, and he's got the data to prove it, which he got from an outfit called BCA Research, which I'm not familiar with, but I'm sure he wouldn't pick something bogus. Um, There is very little correlation between GDP growth and the increases in either corporate or personal marginal tax rates. So if you're afraid that the market's going to go down when tax rates go up, um, you may not have anything or not as much to fear as you thought. Because just on that direct correlation, certainly in the short term, that doesn't seem to correlate very well. So that does not compute, as the robot used to say on Lost in Space. So... The bottom line is that all the sound and fury emanating from the beltway essentially signify next to nothing, according to Mr. Market, who is also expecting negative real interest rates to persist, as I am. Uh, you know, because the Fed came out today and said they're going to wait a year after we get the 2% inflation to raise rates. Well, you know, and plus, you know, there was a a little, I think something, Was actually formalized that the Fed is now going to start running the economy based on an equity uh, measure. So, in other words, if overall unemployment is under 5%, but uh, BIPOC, as we say, uh, black, indigenous, and people of color, I think that's what it is. Whatever it is, you know what I mean. And so they're going to look at that, and if that's not under 5%, they're going to keep the pedal to the metal. Well, that hardly, I think it may have dropped under 5 under Trump early, but, you know, that's a, a real booster shot for uh, Fed stimulus. On the other hand, it is said that the Fed can back off because you're going to have more fiscal heavy lifting in terms of actual spending and infrastructure and Green New Deal and they took the paygo stuff off in the house, so you know they could just make money out of thin air to pay for that. Uh, to get clean air, you create money out of thin air. So, so that's the lay of the land. And you know, with all these uh, countervailing trends and indicators and augers and winds of change, authors at the end says we should be okay, providing. The Fed keeps rates low, which I think they will, and providing stock market investors don't get too carried away. There isn't much margin for error, so it's a case for ultra-vigilant bullishness, which is probably where I'm at, you know? I mean, I was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid on the wrist to the upside, but then I've heard some things that have made me much more vigilant, so I don't think it's any sure thing, folks. But I do think that it's more likely than that that the market will be uh, growing rather than shrinking, increasing rather than decreasing. So anyway, so that's probably you know that's that's a B, BFD, as Joe would say, and I could probably leave it at that. But just to keep just to keep us organized here, folks, I'm gonna go through the ones that. Uh, I posted on the exciting LinkedIn uh, corporate page for Nugent Ventures. and there's an article out there about Bluebird Bio spinning off their cancer, which I, you know, I'm just throwing that out there for your consideration. I don't have a view on that. I didn't. I never heard of the company till today, but that could be. That's certainly news. What you make of it? I don't know yet and put out a alpha's a seeking alpha article, stock market insights, tech tunes into the consumer electronics show. So that again is just out there for information. VBI vaccines. Uh that's an interesting one. I think that's something that's like the stock is an option because I think it trades at like three bucks. It's traded as high as six bucks. And it's got kind of an outside chance of breaking through. So we're going to take a looky look at that and see if we want to just hold it. You know, we get another stock in the portfolio of a Walbert uh, family business. Not really, but it's publicly traded. But there's two Walberts that work there, Tim and his wife. So uh, those are names I know from my days in the business. And I'm betting on them, and that's it. I'm betting on the jockey. Don't know much about the horse. So this VBI thing, that might be one where you want to buy 100 shares or 1,000 shares and let it sit and see what happens. You could lose it, but, you know, it's an option without an expiration date until the company, you know, if the company goes belly up, then obviously it expires. But most of your options have a very specific date. This one does not. So, and uh, Treasury test from Bloomberg with the yields. Uh, rising almost a quarter, blah, blah, blah. So there was a big test yesterday of the uh, the Treasury market, and the Treasury passed the test with flying colors. So the yield came down, I think, from it popped up to 1.29, I believe, and it popped down to 1.13 because there was a lot of demand for Treasuries, even though they're yielding negative. So what does that tell you? Probably a lot of people are looking for some place to hide while they uh, see what happens in Washington, you know, and that's very much more interesting than usual. So while the market kind of, you know, treaded water today, slightly in the green, there seems to be, if you, you know, you never know who's doing what or why, but uh, the one hypothesis here would be that people are just putting their money in treasuries, which is a risk-free asset. And you're not, you know, you don't really care how much you make on it. If you're going to park it there for a week or whatever. Very liquid market. Very, you don't want to put it on Bitcoin, folks. Because that thing goes up and down like an elevator. So, uh, so I think that's what the the big money was doing. But who knows? You know, people speculate about it. And Rick Santelli seemed to be saying that today. And he probably knows more about that than... Most people, let's put it that way. Certainly more than me. And I think that's about it. So that's about all I got for you today. Uh, live long, prosper. Stay safe. Uh, there was a thing out there today about the possibility that 65 and overs can get the vaccine. Because there's an allocation that goes out to hospitals and such, nursing homes and A lot of people don't want the shot, you know, which, you know, their loss may be your gain. So if you're over 65, which I know some of my listeners are, and particularly if you have a pre-existing, like I do, I'm going to get in the horn with my uh, medical teams and say, hey, can you get me, buddy, can you spare me a vax? And hopefully I'll get one of those. But worth worth a shot, you know. Uh, could be like a cattle call. But I, this doesn't surprise me. And these are even workers in hospitals and nursing homes who are saying, I don't want the shot. And that, you know, these people vote. So anyway, um, live long, prosper, wear your mask, try to get your shot. And uh, we'll give you another shot tomorrow. Bye-bye.